Hi, Dr. Michelle Stafford here again with Mixed Dentition Podcast. And today, my special guest star is a friend of mine, Heather Schrock, who is a nutritional therapy practitioner. So, yes. welcome. Thanks for joining Thanks, us today. Michelle. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, first of all, why don't you define NTP? Sure. And tell us what that means and what you do with it. Sure. So, a nutritional therapy practitioner is someone who is certified in. Uh, a holistic nutrition. So I um, studied through a certification program called the Nutritional Therapy Association and got my certification and uh, just learned a ton about nutrition, how the body works, functional nutrition, and holistic nutrition. Um, so that's what that is. That's awesome. <laughs> and tell us a little brief overview about mm -hmm nutrition as you see it and yeah. how is this we can I mean we could probably talk all day you and I about yeah. <laughs> nutrition yeah, and society there's a lot yes. to talk about and sure. digest but well I'm glad you used the word digest that's actually <laughs> perfect um, so no pun intended yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, as I'm sure everybody listening knows, there's so much going on in the world of nutrition. Mm -hmm. It is a huge, huge rabbit hole that you can go down. Um, and most people, when they think of nutrition, they immediately think of diet. Right. Um, and what am I eating? What am I not eating? Um, and really, the core of my training in nutrition um, takes it a step beyond that. And it's more about how food interacts with your body and about digestion, which I'm glad you said mm -hmm. digest. Um, so often, people are worried about what they're putting in their body and what they're not putting in their body, which of course is very important. But they're not asking the question, what's happening inside my body? Can my body even process or break that down or absorb it? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the very first step when I'm working with somebody is to tune up, what I call tune up, their digestion, which means to tweak their digestion so that everything that they are eating, whether it's good or bad, um, is actually being broken down, processed, and absorbed in their body. That's the first step a lot of times. So, and then deal with the, the what later, the what are they eating later. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And are there any like quick mm -hmm. tips on how you can yeah. kind of tune up your digestion? Sure. I mean, there are supplements out there that you mm -hmm. can get. Um, any supplement that has a little bit of HCL, which is hydrochloric acid, don't be scared by that. It's what's <laughs> in your stomach already right. and it's protected by a capsule. Mm -hmm. um, anything that has enzymes in it. But you can also do things like, um, uh, especially for kiddos, a little bit of pineapple juice has a naturally occurring oh. enzyme in it called bromelain. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also these lovely little papaya chewables, which are also tasty and great for kids. Um, if your kid can tolerate it, or if you're an adult who can tolerate it, a little bit of apple cider vinegar mm, with your this. meal. Mm -hmm. Also very good for you for so many reasons, but also just helps tune up your digestion and gets your digestion working and functioning better. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also beets and beet juice are great for digestion. Oh, great. Um, and those are kind of my top picks for just uh, adding a little something to your meal uh, to get your body digesting that food better and giving you what I call access to the nutrients that you're eating. So even if you're eating a meal that isn't that great and maybe doesn't have a ton of nutrients in it, uh, at least you're getting access to the nutrients that are there. Mm, I love that. If I was to take it a step beyond <laughs> that, <laughs> I would say the next question then, of course, is about diet. Yes, that and is the question. And that is, wow, that is such a big open question, and people have very strong opinions about it. Yes. Right? So it can be tricky, and then also people really are black and white about it, too. Mm -hmm. They're like, is gluten bad for me? 
Um, you know, it's right. it's like saying, you know, is my foot bad for me? It's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Did you step on a nail? Right. Or is it functioning? You know, it's like, it's just, it's a thing. And how it interacts with your individual body, mm -hmm. another really important piece of my training in nutrition is understanding something called bio-individuality. That everybody's different and everybody comes from different ethnic backgrounds. Everybody was raised differently, eating different kinds of foods. Everybody's stress levels are different. Stress highly affects how your body's able to process your food. So if your body is constantly in fight or flight, right. the opposite of fight or flight is what we call rest and digest. Mm -hmm. So if you're not ever getting to that rest and digest mode, then you're not digesting your food. Mm. So again, we're talking more about digestion than the food itself. But right. it just speaks to how we can be so black and white about very complicated issues. So when it comes to diet, there are certainly some uh, you know, core principles that I would ask everyone to really consider. Mm -hmm. And that would be a whole foods, properly prepared, nutrient dense diet. Great. So that's like the core principles. Mm -hmm. And you can put almost any paradigm, what I, what most people would call a diet, I call it a food paradigm. Mm -hmm. You can fit almost any paradigm within those principles. So if you're vegan or vegetarian, you can be whole foods, properly prepared, nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. If you're an omnivore, you can be whole foods, properly prepared, nutrient dense. If you're gluten free or have several sensitivities, you can right. fit most of these paradigms into those principles, mm -hmm. right? Um, so when I work as a nutritionist, I really am very cautious about um, changing people's paradigms. Mm, what mm -hmm. I do is I respect their paradigm and give them the nutritional advice within those boundaries and they may make their own choice um, based on sensitivities or other things that they realize as they're learning about nutrition with me of things they might want to change about their paradigm. But it's just not black and white. Right. It's not everybody has to be vegan or everybody has to be gluten free mm -hmm. or everybody you know shouldn't eat eggs or everybody should drink milk all day right you know i mean i swear i met a milkitarian once <laughs> she really swore by milk she said it cured her cancer mm -hmm. and this was milk from a cow that she you know milked herself oh, well, she swore thanks. by it you know and so it's, and maybe her cow it's was her paradigm for her and maybe yeah, that was the right for fit body. for her mm -hmm. right so anyway, it's, uh, that's obviously an extreme example, right. but the thing is that working as a nutritionist and working with lots of people and lots of different paradigms, it's important to give people the opportunity to learn and make their own choices mm -hmm. while giving them the education and the knowledge to make those choices. That's great. So let's dig a little mm -hmm. deeper into those three. Uh, mm -hmm. When you talk about whole foods right. and properly prepared mm -hmm. and nutrient dense. Right. Um, I guess give, maybe give a couple meal sure. examples. Um, let's say an mm -hmm. example of a really nutritionally dense whole food mm -hmm. lunch. Sure, yeah. So um, let's just, for, uh, for the sake of argument, choose an omnivore, because okay. most people are omnivores. So mm -hmm. we'll, we'll use an omnivorous lunch meal. Um, so a really nice, uh, properly prepared uh, means that you're preparing the food in a way that the most nutrients are bio as a bioavailable as possible. So, um, you know, that would be with vegetables, for example, other than some things like lettuce, things like kale, carrots, um, if you're going to do like a little saute of kale, carrots, and zucchini, for example. Mm -hmm. You don't want to overcook them because right. a lot of the nutrients come out, but also eating them raw, people think eating everything raw is the best way. But when you're eating things raw, especially vegetables, 
vegetables, they're actually a little harder to digest. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of six of one, half dozen of the other. You can either eat them completely raw and you have all the enzymes in the food. Uh, more enzymes are in the food when they're raw. Okay. Um, or you could lightly cook them, which makes them easier to digest, which means you don't need the enzymes as much. Mm -hmm. And your food is able to access those nutrients and uh, all the, the wonderful things inside that food a little more easily. So it's, it's with, with vegetables, so let's say a good lunch might be a little light saute mm -hmm. of kale, carrots, and um, zucchini with um, some quinoa. I have an Instant Pot. I love making quinoa in my Instant Pot. <laughs> if you that. don't, it's still <laughs> super easy to make. Um, and you could just throw all that together maybe with a nice piece of fish. Mm -hmm. um, salmon is great because it is extremely nutrient dense. And by nutrient dense, I mean it has uh, like per whatever measurement you're taking per tablespoon per gram, it has more nutrients and more variety of nutrients. So not only dense in nutrients, but dense in variety. So salmon is a great example of a really nutrient dense food. That's great. And your yeah. meal sounds actually pretty easy to prepare. Yeah, and definitely. You know, in, my, in my family, we have some omnivores and then mm -hmm. I try to mostly eat vegan or vegetarian. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. pretty easy to make like a grain, some sauteed mm -hmm. vegetables, and then meat for the omnivores yeah. on the side. Totally. I love that. It's like um it's like bowl mentality. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> what it's bowls. Bowls are great. You start with, yes. like you said, a grain, mm -hmm. a vegetable, a protein. And also if I was to give any tips about how to, you know, have meals like that available, it would be finding time that you can prepare things in advance. Yes. Um, a bowl like that, you could make all those things on the weekend mm -hmm. um, and just have some little portions all ready to go, grab and go. Yep. Um, I actually, that's the reason I thought of that meal is because that's what I prepped this last weekend. <laughs> um, and of course, my fiance took my last one today. So thank goodness you took me to lunch today because <laughs> yes. I didn't have one left. <laughs> but he said it was really good. Oh, good. <laughs> At least he enjoyed it. Yeah. We share. We're sharers. That's good. That's good. Um, but preparing in advance, obviously, mm -hmm. and that's kind of like a no-brainer. I know it's nothing that's like rocket science, but one other thing that I add to that is doing it when you come home from shopping. So if you're going shopping, you come home and you're unloading mm -hmm. your vegetables and your things, um, take, take out those carrots as you're unloading them and slice them up and into smaller them. pieces right then and there. And even then, you're like one step closer. So do the prep when you're unloading your when you're unloading your groceries. That's great. Also, is another tip. And I found that that you know, at the moment, you're like, oh, I just want to throw everything in the fridge and walk away. Right. How often do you throw you know kale, carrots, mm -hmm. stuff in the fridge, and then you never touch it again? Yep. Right. And so you now you've wasted it. You have to throw yeah. It away. yeah. But if it's already forced. prepped mm -hmm. and it's so much easier, just throw it into something. Yeah. It really helps. So doing it right when you get home from the grocery store mm -hmm. is um, definitely a tip that I give a lot of my clients, and they say that when they do that, it just makes a world of difference. I love that. Yeah. I think the Instapot's one of the best things we own in the kitchen as well. Yes. It's easy to make a yes. huge pot mm -hmm. of soup or quinoa, like you were saying. Exactly. And, and yeah. it can feed you for days, if not the whole week. Week. Yeah, having some having some certain choice uh, appliances in the kitchen definitely make a difference. An instant pot, a crock pot, if you mm -hmm. don't have an instant pot, also can be really helpful. Um, so yeah, having an instant pot definitely has changed my world a little bit. And this is not a commercial for instant. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it is um, a pretty awesome tool. And I was a late latecomer to that game too. I was really reluctant, but once I got on board, I was like, oh. 
why didn't I do this sooner? <laughs> <laughs> but that's great advice for busy parents. Yeah. Or busy parents that are out there trying to make good choices for their kids mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. you know, having something ready to go so they can make them easily yeah. during the week. Well, and that's the other thing about prepping those foods when you get home. You're mm -hmm. slicing apples, you're cutting carrots up, and then you also have something really easily to throw out as a snack for your for your kiddos, you know, throw out a couple slices of apples and throw a little peanut butter on that and you've got a great healthy snack that's yeah. not like a prepackaged processed food. Yeah, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Sure, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about our society and snacking. Oh gosh, <laughs> snackers and the snackers. Yes. Oh, if I if I could snack for a living, I would if it was <laughs> if it wasn't an unhealthy thing to do. <laughs> because snacking is fun. Yeah, snacking um, is fun. The crunch that you get yeah. from those snacks, those carbohydrates. Yeah. I mean, and there's actually some uh, there's something to that. There's, you know, there's there's neuropathways that are stimulated by snacking, you know, the really there's blood sugar that that adjusts when you snack you mm -hmm. know so there's definitely some physiological and neurological underpinnings to why we love to snack um, and then of course for for busy parents I know that also uh, snacking can definitely be something that can be helpful to with the kiddos you know right. when you're busy and it's something that can calm them or, or help help kids you know get through something so I know that it's it's not the easiest thing to get away from right but when we're talking about digestion right are there some correlations between digestion and kids that or, or grown-ups that tend mm -hmm. to snack every day or let's mm -hmm. say every hour they have some yeah sort of snack that they yeah it on. does actually interfere a little bit with the with the the natural uh, cycle of digestion for humans um, it's we're not really meant to, to be eating constantly, you know, and there's certainly some evidence that our prehistoric ancestors um, didn't have the opportunity to be snacking all day long. And so our systems um, in the several thousand years since, since our ancestors were roaming the earth haven't totally adjusted to that kind of response to having, you know, calories input into our system that frequently mm -hmm. um, and there's actually a lot of studies that show the reduction of frequency is even healthier some some new trends um, called something called intermittent fasting is very right. popular and I've been looking into that as well and done some research on that as well and the research behind that is very positive showing great health benefits to going longer between eating and you know people hear the word fasting and they, they think you know, we all have these images of people starving and wasting away, and that is not what this is. Mm -hmm. um, intermittent fasting, there's lots of ways to do it, but probably one of the most popular ways to do it is basically just lengthening the time between dinner and breakfast. Right. When you normally wouldn't eat that much anyway. No, mm -hmm. no late night snacking, um, not getting up and eating right away, and giving your body just a little bit more time before you have that first meal. And there's some great studies showing that that can actually have lots of health benefits. Um, including um, for the heart, for the brain, for focus, for energy, um, even some mental health benefits, anxiety, depression. So there's lots of things that have been popping up in those studies that sound really interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's not something I've, I've dove totally down the rabbit hole, but I've certainly been looking at it and experimenting with it myself mm -hmm. and on myself and with some of my um, clients that I've been working with and had positive results. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I've also been mm -hmm. reading more about intermittent fasting mm -hmm. and some of those health benefits that you mentioned. And yeah, it's a very interesting yeah. you know, world that I feel like we're just now getting yes. the science behind to yes. understand. Um, 
I find it fascinating, especially because my grandma, who's now 85, mm-hmm. she basically has been doing intermittent fasting for decades because yeah. she's like a sweet old lady, right? Uh-huh. And so she finishes eating dinner by 3.30 at the yeah. latest wow. so that she can enjoy her evening. Mm-hmm. And she only drinks water until she gets up and she has breakfast wow. at like 8. So wow. her, there I mean, go. <laughs> the whole time I've known her, she's yeah. been intermittent fasting. But yeah, wow. and I think a lot of older people do that. Yeah. They don't like to drink right before they go to bed, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to be said for that. You know, we joke around with the senior specials at restaurants. Yes, because they're earlier, so early. But they yeah. do eat early. and Yeah. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like their their bodies are naturally... Yeah, maybe leaning towards leaning that towards it. in some way. Mm-hmm. And maybe, um, and you know, when you talk about this in the context of children, you know, children's right. needs are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and children are also quite resilient, so they can withstand a lot more stuff, but still, uh, and it's not necessarily saying that you should go out and start intermittent fasting with your kiddos, right. but um, there's something to be said for reducing the snacking and reducing the, the kind of constant stream of calories going into the body because the body does need back to that rest and digest. Mm-hmm. The body needs to rest and digest, and if you're putting more stuff into it while it's trying to rest and digest, it kind of activates it again, and then it has to figure out how how to digest the food that's already in there when you're continuing to add more food on top of it. So there really is a necessity to just space out your intake of food and have more food at one sitting and less food in between, Mm -hmm. which goes against some of the the studies that have shown, oh, it's better for your blood sugar to snack every three hours or have a small meal every three hours. And, you know, there's some validity to that, but really only if you're struggling with blood sugar dysregulation, Uh. not really for the average person. Mm -hmm. And and ultimately, that type of meal eating where you're eating lots of smaller meals, Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, you would want to start condensing that and pull them farther and farther apart anyway Hmm. Um, at least from what I've learned about nutrition and how the body works in terms of digestion blood sugar regulation um, it really is best to space those meals apart a little bit more Mm -hmm. and also it it seems like kind of a silly thing to correlate it with but it actually can save you money on groceries and you'll be eating less you (laughs) actually people tend to eat less when you eat less Mm-hmm. Right? right. When you're eating less often. <laughs> when you're eating less often, right. you just tend to eat less overall. Mm-hmm. So less caloric intake could also help with other things. Right. Yeah. And the quality of snacks, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of kids, well, most yeah. kids love goldfish. I mean, who doesn't love goldfish? Oh, yeah. Even I see a goldfish. I know. And I'm like, oh, those oh, are delicious. And like the airport, it, but... they've got those ones with the extra cheese powder on them. <laughs> just stop. Just don't even go no. there. So delicious. <gasps> But yeah, I mean, and they are, they, they is that the neurological, you know, endorphins and things that are mm-hmm. when you're eating that and it's just, it's fun. It tastes good. It right. satisfies, you know, this, this, some need probably. So yeah, the goldfish are, are tasty, but you know, make them part of a, a meal that's, yes. that's, that's healthy and balanced where you've got, you know, some carrots and some apples, mm-hmm. maybe some eggs or cheese, some proteins in there. Um, and, and, you know, instead of just the constant addition of calories through through goldfish right. <laughs> or whatever it is Cheerios or right do they still do Cheerios these oh, days I don't know they do yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah <laughs> so um, as we're wrapping it up here mm-hmm. can you give us a couple little tidbits yeah. for our parents out there for our busy parents especially sure. some advice on making positive health changes yeah, I mean, gosh, it's it's uh, so much to talk about. We might have to do another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, the changes modeled by the parents mm-hmm. and changes, um, you know, instigated by parents. So when I work with kids, I also work with parents. So 
um, when, I, when I work with the parents, one of the things that I talk about is how to change habits. Because as much as it's the kids' health that we might want to be working on, it's a lot of time a, a habit of the parents. It's a habit to, to use those goldfish or a habit mm -hmm. to um, come home and throw all your groceries in the refrigerator and not slice them up right then and there. So um, I'll give you one fun little tip before I let you go. There's a great little website or app called 21 Habit. Um, and if you go on there, it, it's based on a study that shows that it takes 21 days to make or break a habit. And you go onto this little app and you just put in what your goal is. So your goal is, I am only gonna give goldfish to my kids once a day, <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want it to be, or I am going to you know, make my lunch the night before. Mm -hmm. Even that, you know, make my lunch the night before. Whatever the habit is that you're trying to break, use this little app, it's super helpful. And every single day you check, it checks in with you and it will tell you if you, um, it, you'll say yes or no that I've done this. A thumbs up, thumbs down. Nice. And just that little reminder helps change the neuropathways mm -hmm. in the brain. Um, so 21 days to make or break a habit. I highly recommend the app to help you um, make or break those habits for you and for your kiddos. Oh, that's great. Oh, well, thank you for coming on our sure. podcast, Heather. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, for any of our audience that might be looking to mm -hmm. find you, where, yeah. can they, where, where can they find you? Um, well, I am on LinkedIn, and I do stay pretty active on there. So if you message me through LinkedIn, um, uh, I'm sure my name will probably show up somewhere here during the <laughs> podcast, but it's Heather Schrock. Uh, the last name is spelled S-C-H-R-O-C-K, and you can find me there and message me through there, and I'll get back to you. Great. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks. And thank you to the audience. This has been another edition of Mixed Dentition. Uh, thanks for joining in. Smile. It's contagious. <laughs>